Okay. Okay, so we're going to dive into something today. I want to share with you something I've titled Securing Gates. I know that in different ways you have been receiving the, the ministry of God's word, but there's something that God has placed on my spirit for the house. Are we here this morning? Yeah, okay. All right. I want to interact with you, so I don't want you to, um, you know, in one sense, just, uh, what's the, I don't want you to expect it. I want you to participate. Is that Okay. Okay, so I want us to turn our Bibles to the book of Psalm 115, verse 6, and I'm going to read one scripture, just one scripture, and then we're going to start and dive right into it, and God helping us, then we will pray at the end. Psalm 115, verse 16, securing gates, Psalm 115, verse 16. The Bible says that the heaven, someone say the heaven, all right, come and say the heaven. The Bible says that the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. The Bible says, now this is, this is scripture. This is not, uh, this is not uh, my, my opinion. This is not my, um, what's the word now? You know, this is not my own idea. Um, some of you want to read it in context and all of that stuff. And you want to take the text out. So, you know, all of that stuff. The Bible says that the heavens, even the heavens are the Lord's. But he says, uh, uh, the earth he has given to the children of, of men. The earth he has given. God, God, God um, did this thing and God is still doing this thing where um, when he created us, he gave us something I would call jurisdiction. He gave us jurisdiction. When the Bible says that, the heavens belong to the Lord and the earth he has given to the children of men. It's not just talking about occupancy. It's not just talking about God shoved us on earth. I want you to understand. Are we, are we in the house? Okay. All right. We'll get there. Okay. So when, when he says the highest heavens belong to the Lord and the, the earth he has given the children of men. I want you to understand that it's not just about occupying in terms of being on the earth. So it's not just trying to say God lives in heaven and we live on earth. What, what the word is showing us there is this thing of, of jurisdiction um, in this realm. Right? So in, in heaven, God has jurisdiction over heaven. But on the earth, he gave man jurisdiction. Now, the earth, Psalm 24 the earth is still the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell in it, but he gave man jurisdiction concerning. It's still the Lord's. Someone said the earth is the Lord's. Okay, but then God chose to give us jurisdiction. Now, the, um, the connection between the spiritual and the natural on the earth is symbolized by gates, doors, and keys. Right? Now, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That's true. But the children of men, he has given the earth. So, huh, okay, let's move. <laughs> so, because God 
has given the children of men, God has given humanity or his sons the earth, it means that in one sense, someone say in one sense, whenever I say that it's because I want people to be careful so they don't take my theology to a different place. In one sense, because God has given jurisdiction to humanity, God wouldn't, not that God cannot, God wouldn't just come and do anything on the earth without involving us. So God wouldn't bypass his own protocol. Do you understand? What I'm a simple example is that as, as, as a servant leader, um, you know, I have different people who do different things, you know. So if I appoint someone over a particular ministry or a particular department, because, let me explain it to you, because I have appointed the person, I wouldn't just, if anything was to happen in that area, I wouldn't just say, hey, because I am uh, um, apostolic overseer, general, whatever, you know, whatever you guys call it, <laughs> right? I won't just say, I'm just going to step in and resolve it. No. I established order and a system and a person in that position. So if anything was to happen in that position, I don't bypass the person. Does that make sense? I go to the person for account. I go to the person for what is happening. How is it going? So the Bible says... That the highest heaven belongs to the Lord, but, but to the children of men, he has given the earth. So it then means, in that, mean, in that means, in one sense, God cannot just come and do anything on the earth without, without involving man or humanity. That's not how God works. So the connection between the spiritual and the natural, what we see from God's perspective is symbolized by gates, symbolized by doors, and symbolized by keys. What do I mean by that? This is Jesus speaking. Today I feel like walking around. Maybe because, yeah, okay, all right. <laughs> this is Jesus speaking. Jesus said, Jesus is talking about salvation. Someone say salvation. Jesus is talking about intimacy. Someone say intimacy. Now, Jesus doesn't say, I, you, know, you know the way God speaks, I am that I am. You, you understand what I'm saying? So there are times that God says, I am that I am. I, he says, um, I have said this. But when it comes to stuff like intimacy, salvation, Jesus says, even though he created us, even though he's the author and the finisher of our salvation, even though he wrote the salvation for us, he says this. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He says, if any man will open up, so that means from God's perspective, are you ready for this? Access to the earth has to be willed. You know, I could begin to go into prayer right now. <laughs> this is why, because people think, because we know that God is sovereign. But people mix up the sovereignty of God. I'm going to tell you later if I can get to it. That the sovereignty of God includes his methodologies. So you can't say that God is sovereign and you don't understand how he operates his sovereignty. So here comes now prayer. Because prayer is this. It's yes, God is sovereign. But from his perspective, there has to be doors. 
there has to be gates by which he accesses the earth. Lift up your head, all ye gates, and be lifted up. And the king of glory shall come in. That means he wouldn't necessarily come in. <laughs> so you have a situation, he knows about it, doesn't mean he will come in. Not that he doesn't want to come in. I'm, 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 I'm going to build this thing gradually. It's Sunday and, um, you know, you, I, I want you to get the perspective. So this is from God's perspective. Everything is symbolized by gates and, and doors. Let's, let's look at some very important things. Now, Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. The preaching of the gospel is characterized um, with doors and gates. Paul says this. He says, he says, a great and effectual door is open to me. Do you get that? A great and effectual door is open to me. Now, um, the advancement of the kingdom is characterized by keys. Jesus said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. He said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Right. Um, he's teaching us about the advancement. And then he says, the gates of hell shall not prevail. So that means for the two realms to interact spiritual and natural gates doors and keys must interact so that just because there is a spiritual realm doesn't mean that there'll be manifestation and just because God is everywhere doesn't mean he's is manifested everywhere does that make sense and and just because God sees all things doesn't make he, mean he always makes himself visible. Because it's characterized by keys, doors, and gates. Let's look at, I want to talk about gates and doors. Are we still here? Because I'm talking, are we, are we in the house? Okay. I'm, I'm talking to you about securing gates. Now, let's talk about gates and doors. The first thing, one of the first things you want to know about a gate or door is that it speaks of access to mysteries, right? It speaks of it speaks of it speaks of access to mysteries. Revelation chapter four, verse one, John says this. He says he was caught up in heaven and a door was opened to him. So when we speak of gates, when we speak of doors, we are talking about um, 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 access to mysteries. Okay, access to mysteries. You think of you think of a door. You think of a gate. It's often the portal to a new discovery, right? So, for example, you bought a new house. You bought something new. You bought a car, right? You can look at this car. You know, you can say you like the color. But if you don't open the door, you cannot enter into its operations. Right? So, when we speak of a door or a gate, it speaks of um, access to mysteries. In God, revelation, truth, understanding, basically. And, and, and there, are, there are doors that can be opened to us in revelation. Does that make sense? Doors that can be opened to us in understanding. That the more that we begin to see, the more we begin to comprehend, the more we begin to understand, the more we begin to enter into truth and reality. The Bible says that it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. It is the honor of kings to search it out. 
In other words, there are mysteries that confirm mastery in the kingdom. So when we talk about doors and gates, what we're speaking about is, we're talking about mysteries. Someone say mysteries. Okay, the second thing is this. The second thing is that an open door speaks about that which allows transition. Right? That which, I told you that the relationship between the spiritual and the natural is a function of doors, gates, and keys. That it exists in heaven doesn't mean it will manifest on earth. And, and that's sometimes what's happening with a lot of the promises and the prophecies and the words that we have gotten. I have heard it. Why is it not finding expression? I know that God is good. Why am I not seeing it? Keys, doors, gates. Right, so uh, an open door speaks of that which allows transition, movement and freedom. In the book of um, Joshua chapter 6. In the book of Joshua 6, the Bible talks about how Jericho, the Bible says that Jericho was a fortified city. But the Bible says that the gates of Jericho were shut so that no one could go in and no one could go out. So when gates are shut, there are boundaries. There are restrictions. Does that make sense? There is a loss of movement. Have you ever been in a situation where you feel that there's no movement? You're in a season where there's no movement. I'm not saying God shut the gate on you. <laughs> Basic. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. So, so, so there, are, there are times where you don't feel like there is any flow. You don't feel like there is any movement. You don't feel that there is any direction. Gates allow you. So the Bible says this, that the children of Israel couldn't progress. Why? Because the gates of Jericho were securely tight. And what God had to teach them was how to unlock the gates without unlocking it physically first. He had to teach them through the methodology of priesthood. How to access a place without first physically accessing it. I was sharing on something uh, 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 a little while ago. And I was saying that, you know, many cases when we plant a church or we start a business or we start an initiative. We say, uh, I've started. I've done a launch. Does that mean I, I launched it. In the spirit, it doesn't work that way. You don't access a place, spiritually speaking, by just setting foot there physically. You don't move into a space. Just because you physically move doesn't mean you spiritually transitioned. Right? Just because, just because you physically move doesn't mean that heaven has registered this. So, when you think of an, of an open door, you think of gates. It speaks about transition. It speaks about, you know, movement. We can say also it speaks about access um, into regions and, and cities. Okay, when we speak of an open gate, it allows us to access regions and cities. We can, we can move on from that because we're still going to touch on that. Then an open door, an open gate speaks of blessings poured out. Speaks of blessings poured out. Right, Psalm 78 from verses 23 to 27. Psalms, are we still here? Are we in the house? Okay, Psalm 78, 23 to 27. The Bible says, yet he commanded the skies above and opened the doors of heaven and he rained down manna upon them to eat. 
and gave them food from heaven. Man did eat the bread of the mighty. He sent them food to the full. He caused the east wind to blow in the heavens. And by his power, he guided the south wind. He rained flesh upon them as dust and winged birds as the sand of the seas. The Bible says that and, the open, um, and, and he opened the doors of heaven. So when we speak of an open door, we're talking about open gates. We're speaking about um, blessings being poured out. Okay, an open door, an open gate speaks of opportunities. I'm moving through this quickly. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 9. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 9. It says, because a wide door for the effective service has opened to me in Ephesus. A very promising opportunity and there are many adversaries. Just because the door opened doesn't mean that there won't be resistance. Paul says, he calls the preaching, I said this earlier, but I'm just putting it again for you to be able to, to write this down. He calls the preaching of the gospel. And open door speaks about opportunity. Someone say opportunity. Right. Okay. The next one. Are we still here? Okay. I want to make sure I'm staying in touch with you. The next one is this, is that an open door, an open gate um, <laughs> is a witness or affirmation. Right, an open door. Sometimes you are trying to do certain things. You're trying to move into certain directions. And the door will not just open. Sometimes it's warfare. Sometimes it's not. <laughs> Does that make sense? Sometimes it's warfare. Sometimes it's how do you take it? How do you navigate it? How do you go around it? But sometimes it's simply just a lack of witness or affirmation. When doors are open, when gates are open... They show that heaven backs this. Does that make sense? They show that heaven has endorsed what we are doing. Now, the next one, quickly. For that one, you can write down Acts 16 from verses 6 to 10. Okay, now the next one. Uh, uh, an open door, an open gate. Now, this is key, right? It speaks of, um, it speaks of legal or proper access. Right? It speaks of what? It speaks of what? Or proper access. Does that make sense? So imagine if someone, your, your friend was visiting you and uh, your friend then came around and you, you walked into your house, you saw your friend in, you're like, how did you get in? So I came through the roof. You're like, no. The, exactly. When you're not a winch. <laughs> Right, <laughs> you don't know that. Okay, right. So when you talk about coming through a door or through a gate, you're talking about coming through the proper channels, right? The recognized channels coming through that 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 access, right? It speaks of authorization. It speaks of authority. You can check out John uh, John chapter ten. Um, from verses 1 to 40, 42, um, or John, John 10 verse 9, right? The thief wouldn't come through the door, right? The thief is looking for another way to get in. So when we speak of doors and gates, we're talking about having authorization. Okay, the next one. Now, this is the, this is the next one about a gate. Now, you would understand where we're going with this. A gate, historically speaking was just more than access. It was just more than, um, I don't know, how you got into a place. 
gates were powerful, historically speaking, right? A gate back in the day was a place of transaction. It was, uh, it was an economic point, a political point. Back in those days, you would see that where the hub of trading in a city was at the gates. Where the, they met to determine the destiny of cities was at the gates, the political destiny. So a gate is essentially a place, scripturally speaking, of transaction, right, and of power. You begin to read scriptures. For example, the Bible says that um, 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 in Psalm 127, children are heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. As a man has arrows in his hand, so are the sons of his youth. Happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. He will not be ashamed to speak with the enemies at the gate. Right, so biblically speaking, gates were places of power. They were places of contention. Right? Um, in, in, in Proverbs 31, the one on the virtuous woman. <laughs> right? The Bible says that her husband will, will, will be able to sit at the gates. He will not be ashamed when he sits at the gates. Jesus was trying to help us understand about gates. He said, the gates of all shall not prevail. So, Gates in a sense, now remember I said this because I want you to remember what I said to you that movement between the realm of the spirit and what we see is a function of gates, doors, and keys. Now I'm describing to you what gates look like in the spirit or doors look like in the spirit. Are we following? Okay. So a gate really was not just a place. A place like that. It was a place of transaction. In other words, when we speak about gates, we're talking about spiritual transactions. Dealings between heaven and earth. Movement between heaven and earth. When Jesus says, I give you the keys of the kingdom so that what you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Those are legal terms. He's talking about legal business. He's talking about what Jesus is talking about is, he's talking about how we, those of you that um, you've studied law, you've done any type of contract. He's talking about how you, you disallow, you know, you use that word legally binding. I don't even know that word. It's not legally binding, right? Okay, Jesus is speaking in that context, right? It's, it's about agreements. It's about allowing agreement and dissolving agreements. That's what, that's what Matthew 16 is about. So when we speak of, Gates was speaking about places of transaction and power. Places of transaction and power. So God wants us to come to a place where we are able to effectively steward our understanding of this truth. One second, sorry, just gonna. God wants us to be able to effectively steward our understanding. In fact, if anything, you take more responsibility and have more accountability about your life. It's Sunday morning. I'm trying to go easy, but it's not happening. So I'm, I'm just going to go for it now. Okay. The will of God, <laughs> the will of man, and the disruption of the adversary. We don't understand that. We, we need to major on the will of God and study the will of God because it's everything that we have. But to study the will of God without being aware of the will of man is not to study the will of God. <laughs> because 
If you study the will of God, you would understand what God has created out of his will. When we're dealing with God's will, we're dealing with, now what, I want you to watch what God, the custody of God's will. God, the custody of God's will is this, it's God's sovereignty, right? This is what, when we, when we, look, at the, when we look at God's will, these are the things to consider. The sovereignty of God, the fact that in everything God is preeminent and absolute. There are no questions about that. All right, the second one is the plans and the intent of God, right? The plans and the intent of God. The third one is the mind and the counsel of God, right? The fourth is the promises of God. And then the fifth is the strategy of God. So when you look at God's will, so... In many cases, when we look at how God deals with us and God operates with us, how God moves with us, all we have done is to study these aspects, which I think is fair, but sometimes we don't acknowledge the methodology of God or the strategy of God for carrying things. Let me give you an Can I give you an example? When you study the book of Colossians or Ephesians, right, you begin to see Paul Talking about the preeminence of God. Talking about the sovereignty of God. He will talk about how Christ is preeminent in all things. And then he will go in one place and says, and you are complete in him. <laughs> Does that make sense? So what we've done is, we go, he's preeminent in all things. That's it. And you're saying that, that's true, but it's not doing anything for you. Does that make sense? So what's the testimony of the body of Christ today? He is the Lord that heals, but we're sick. <laughs> okay. Right? He is the Lord that provides, we're broke. He's the Lord that delivers, but we're bound. We know his sovereignty in those areas, but is there more to his sovereignty and his supremacy in those areas that we've not come to understand? So if he is the Lord that heals, why is he not healing us? Has he healed us and we need to now receive the healing? As he delivered us, as he finished the works legally, and then we now have to permit it. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Uh, is, it, is, it, is it him or is it me? I, I, I caught this a lot. John chapter 15. Can't get away from it. Talk about every time I come to Kadosh. I'm going to talk about it today again. Jesus said, whatsoever you ask, whatsoever, he says, whatever you ask, if my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. Look at your neighbor, say what you will, what you will. Yeah, because religion teaches you not to ask what you will and tells you that because you're not asking what you will, you're doing well. But Jesus said no. <laughs> Jesus says what you will, the frustration with a lot of people, is not God's will, it's their will not manifesting. You're frustrated that it seems as though Every time you will something, you desire something, you have to go through some kind of special renovation because your feelings and your thoughts and your will are always at loggerhead with God. The will of God is not the problem. The will of God is perfect. What the will of God is looking for is gates and doors to express just because, just because that will is perfect doesn't mean that it's found perfection in you.
just because forever, oh God, your word is, your word is settled in heaven. But for me, but we are with open face, beholding as a mirror, the glory of God, I transform the mirror there is the word. The word is settled in heaven, but it needs to find expression in me. So is it God's will or my will that's the problem? Jesus, listen, we treat God, when we go to prayer, we treat God like God is the one holding us. I mean, God sometimes must just be sitting thinking, what's wrong with these children? Oh, Father, oh, Father, before you even say anything, you call Father like 10 times. Father, 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 woo, what are you calling? Because he's not deaf. Father, Lord, Father, Lord, Father of glory, Father of splendor. He knows all of those things. Hey. How many of you have children here? Your child has to call you mom, dad, 15 times. What you're like, yeah, what are you saying? Is it, is it that or the fact that when you call him father, you don't call him from faith and conviction? Because in heaven... Anything that is not of faith is an illegal operation. So we don't recognize it. We don't let us approach the throne of grace with boldness that we may find help in time of our need. We need help, but he says come boldly. That means if you come timidly, we don't recognize it. Because here, a lack of faith is unbelief. Unbelief is sin. Because unbelief essentially would question the credibility of God. You can do that on earth and suffer. Heaven, you don't do that. <laughs> right? So, for me to be a Christian who is productive, I have to know what is in the custody of God's will. I have to know what is in the custody of my will. And I have to know what Satan does. Satan, put it this way, he doesn't really have a will. He's a disruptor. Does that, he has plans for people. Does that mean, because you see some people, you're like, hey. <laughs> it's like Satan left everybody in the world and decided to just <laughs> zone in on you. <laughs> right? He doesn't have a will like God, but what he tries to do is that he tries to disrupt. Okay, let me, let me have three people. Just please volunteer. Come with me. I'm just going to show you a simple example. We'll try and be distant. Who's coming? Who's coming? Someone's coming with their Sunday's best. You know you did all that makeup today. Just come in the name of Jesus Christ. Who's, okay, minister Tina, come. Um, Pastor Tula, you want to come? Okay, um, have I got three people? Okay, so okay, who else is coming? All right, so who wants to play God? Now, this is your chance. One, two, three. Okay, gone. No, so I can pick anybody. You missed it. Uh, no, I won't use Christian. Yeah, Christian has to play God because some of you think the devil wears black. So, I'm, I'm not going to do that. So, okay, so this is, um, okay, please space, you know, for the purpose of, yeah, please have, no, can you, can you stand on, this, on the same line? But, um, yeah, okay, and face each other. That's okay, please come up. Okay, so now, imagine this. This is an example. I'm, I'm good to walk here, right? Okay, so now, this is, can, I, can we exchange that? Is that okay? Yeah, make sure you sanitize afterwards. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so this is God. She's playing God in this, right? Now, this is, let's, hmm. okay, come closer, just come closer, right? Okay, so this is God, and what God wants to do is to give, let's assume Minister Tinu 
is man, humanity. Human, she's not a man, no. Humanity. All right. Now, this is the adversary. Step back a little bit, basically. Now, this is God every time. God wants to give Minister Tinu something, basically. This is water. Water would symbolize life. It would symbolize the spirit. It would symbolize impartation, right? Okay, so try and walk towards her. But this is the enemy. He comes in between, and he says no. He says no. But the enemy cannot do that to God. It's impossible. So the only way the enemy can do that is to manipulate her. Because the enemy can't go to God. The only reason why the enemy would have been able to go to God has been dealt with. Hold on. Okay. So can Satan go to God like he went in the days of Job? There's a legal problem. I know this is not going to help some people. But there's a legal problem because the blood of Jesus has been shed. And Jesus is the mediator of a better covenant, a better promises. So he can't just show up. In fact, he would have showed up in those times regarding Job because Adam gave him legal access to the courts of heaven by his sin. So when Satan goes now to heaven, he's not just going, he's going in Adam's authority. But Jesus is the second Adam. I want you to just hold that. I want you to hold that. So now, Satan can't really do that to God. So what he has to do, I, I want to touch you, but you know, this, this social, this Holy Ghost help us. So what he has to do now is to, is to work on her. Does that make sense? Is to try and work on her and try and stop her. But the thing is this, is that God obviously knew this from the beginning of the world. Now watch this. <clears throat> Say, the amazing thing about this is this, is that Satan cannot do anything to her. You're not Satan in Jesus' name. You are blessed. Amen. Amen. Okay, all right. We get that, right? Satan cannot do anything to her except she allows it. Can I prove it to you? Because God cannot do anything to her except she allows it. So, can I, a, simple, a, a simple scripture. Jesus said this. He says that even salvation, he says, it's God's desire that everybody is saved. That is God's will. That is God's design. But God cannot make everybody saved. Why? Because he gave people the opportunity to choose. If God, I'm not saying that God is not sovereign. I hope you understand what I'm saying. If God is in a sense obedient to his principles where he cannot, if Jesus is standing at the door to knock, who is certain to enter? Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock if any man will open up. So when you begin to say, Satan made me, my boy David, <laughs> I wanted to say this last week at church, but I couldn't because he was there. One day, <laughs> I couldn't because I have to be sensitive. One day, I went to the room. I said, David, why are you on punishment? Don't you understand punishment? You know, it's not a bad thing. It's just a bit of an exercise where you just kneel down and lift your hands to Jesus from an African perspective. <laughs> If you know, you know. If you don't know, then it's mystery. A mystery, mystery. So I said, David, what happened? Then he said, I listened to Satan. I, how was that, huh? All that happened in my head was that, huh? Satan manifested himself to my son and he spoke to him. I said, thinking deliverance. I said, then I said, hold. So I went to Bishop. I said, what happened with that? I said, David said, listen to Satan. She started laughing. And all that really happened was that he did something naughty and said Satan made him do it. So his mom was like, and so you listen to Satan. He was like, yes. <laughs> right? A lot of us, we have given Satan 
glory. The devil made me do it. The devil made me see it. If, so are you telling me that if God can't make you do it, Satan can make you do it? Is it the devil or is that you've not come to understand the custody of your will? We, we, are, we are eliminating excuses. We're eliminating spiritual laziness. We are eliminating generational issues, not by 500 cycles of deliverance like in a washing machine. But by simple responsibility, understanding the custody of your will, that if God cannot force, let me tell you, God loves you so much, He can't force you to be blessed. And if God cannot force you to be blessed, Satan cannot force you to be cursed. So, this is where we are now. So, the only thing now is for her to, is this making sense? Okay, the only thing is for her to understand the power of her will. That without her will, remember I talked to you about gates, doors, keys. Without her will, God, although has intentions for her, for her in his sovereignty, but without her will, it will manifest. So, you guys just wait for me, I'll, I'll be back, I won't leave you here hanging. So now you say that the reason why all the promises of God have not come to pass is because God hasn't manifested it. Have you investigated your will? Have you, have you, have you, have you investigated because for God to give you something that your will has not become mature about is to violate you. It's that, that's it. If God gives you something that you're not, you've not, and the boy Jesus grew in stature. And the boy Jesus grew in stature, in favor with man and with God. Jesus learned how to be a dignitary. Do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus learned how to be a, you know, some people are like, oh yeah, I want this open, da, da, da. If God pushes, you will embarrass us. You embarrass the kingdom. Mm. Does that make sense? Because the same way you talk to everybody, the same way you talk to other people, that dignitaries. Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus grew. Do you know what it is to grow in favor with man? Some people are like, I don't need anybody. Liar. You need, you need people. And if you don't know how to handle people and to treat people, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to be in trouble. Jesus grew in stature. So, back to these guys. This stuff is not an issue. I'm not saying Satan is not important. Satan is a disruptor. That's what he wants to do. So we, it will be silly. The Bible says do not be ignorant of the devices of the devil. It will be ignorant for you to think that there is no Satan. It will be ignorant. But the only thing that Satan is looking for is a legal cause. All he's looking for is a, is a, is a reason. So the Bible says then submit to God. Resist the devil. We resist the devil. We don't submit to God. We have more time. Casting out devils in church than actually yielding to God. Why? Because we don't submit to God. If we submitted to God, our casting out of devils will be quicker. Some of you didn't like that. Does that make sense? Since you've been praying, fall down and die. Some of us all, speak. What, what's happened? Can I ask you, what has really happened to your life? 
I came here with a very chill Sunday morning message, you know. <laughs> Just chill. I, I, I slept well, I mean, reasonably well, okay. I didn't wake up on the wrong side of the bed. But I'm just trying to show you that this important thing. God has this stuff. And this is what it is. The reason why God would now, this stuff that God has for her, has anointings, graces. These are things that will bless the earth. So imagine this is the, please don't, you know, because I know someone will take an edit now and say, I said this is the glory of God. If you do that and you come for me, I will come for you. We'll repent together and then Jesus will still be Lord. Yeah, yeah, that's why I'm not on YouTube because I don't have all those diplomacy things about me. Now, so this is what it is now. All this stuff in this bottle, imagine it's the plan of God. It's the purpose of God. It's meant for the earth. Guess what? Come with me. God, imagine all of these things. God wants to pour this on the earth. God wouldn't bypass this person to get it to the earth. God wouldn't go directly. This is proven in our salvation theology. That salvation required incarnation. Jesus had to become human so that he could get salvation to us. If salvation, which is the most critical and important thing, required God finding a man, whatever else God wants to give you, God will bring to you through the ministry of people. And the ministry, so God wouldn't even go, go pastor. God wouldn't even bypass her. Does that make sense? That's not God's sovereignty. God, in God's sovereignty, he respects his methodologies. He respects how he has designed things to happen. So come back, please come back. I'm sorry, I'm making you work today. Okay. <laughs> She's like, yeah, it's all good, you know. All that. Okay. Now, so now this is God. God wants to pour out on the earth. Outpouring, grace, wisdom, virtue, all of these things. He has to pass it through her. Why? The highest heavens belong to the Lord. But to the children of men, he has given jurisdiction. Does that make sense? He has given, so please pass it to her. So now God gives it to her. And because, why has this happened? It's very simple. It's because God and this person are in tune. Now, Come with me. Please, please. No, sorry. Hold it. See, my illustrations. I'm, I'm not, I'm not T.D. Jake. So, you know, some people, I'm not Mike Todd. You know, some people just, you, they, they even bring, you know, I mean, what's it now? They bring a pool and I, I'm not good at that. So, please, please hold. Okay. So, imagine sometimes, go around her. Just go around her with, with, go around her. No, let go. Let go. She loves the will of God, you know. Go around her. This is God sometimes. Can you see that? He's encircling. Close your hands. Close your hands. Put your hands in your pocket or whatever. And if there is no response... There is no impartation. Okay, all right, calm down. <laughs> she, she, she got into it. Should I give it the mic? You might preach a message. Right? If there is no response, there is no impartation. Right? But it's even worse if now by virtue of lifestyle, she has allowed him stand in the way. Does that make sense? Right? And please, please clap, clap for them. Let's, let's, let's let them go. They've been standing for a while. You guys did awesome. Did we get that? Right? The will of God, the will of man, and the disruption of the adversary. That yes, God's will, 
God is sovereign in his will. But his sovereignty in his sovereignty, he recognizes the processes that he has established as sovereign. God so respects his processes that he wouldn't break them. So what is it then? For the most part, the problem. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. For the most part, the problem is we're saying uh, 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 the will of God. The will, no, the problem is my will. It's the will of man that's the issue. The will of God is perfect. The will of man is in perfecting mode. The will of man is being perfected. And the more that your will matures and grows is the more that the will of God finds expression. So I put it this way. For the will of God to find expression, the will of man must align. On the earth I'm talking about now. Why? Because the highest heavens, someone said the highest heavens belongs to the Lord. But to the children of men, he has given jurisdiction. Okay, look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, you have jurisdiction on the earth because God gave it to you. Did you really mean that when you said that? So, okay. So, if something happens, should my first response be, oh, God, if I have jurisdiction, is that a honest way to pray? I'm, no, I'm talking about blaming yourself. Does that make sense? You can be responsible without having a, a sense of condemnation. It's possible. It's maturity to be responsible and not condemn yourself and say, actually, you know what? I could grow up more here. Hey, I could mature more here. That's, that's Christian maturity. That's Christian maturity. Right? So if God has given, that means a lot of the things that happen on the earth. God is not, God is not wicked. It's not even God is not so wicked. God is not wicked that all these things are happening and it's his fault. Let me give you an example. Jesus is going to preach the gospel. That's the will of God. He's going to the other side because on the other side is a city that needs to be delivered because there's a man there who is like a gatekeeper for that city. I've preached, I don't want to touch that. So Jesus is traveling now. This is the will of God. But on the journey, now the storm breaks out. The waves become a problem. And they're really about to die. This is no Nollywood movie. They're about to die. Because sometimes when you read the scripture, you think, oh, that's really nice. It really happened. They're about to die. Jesus is sleeping. They wake Jesus up. And then some, some people with their wet theology, theology will say that it was God kind of testing Jesus. Or God was the one causing the storm. Does that even make sense? How is God opposing God? Okay. How is God fighting God? Jesus is God. God is in heaven. How is God causing a problem for God who is going to deliver someone in the name of God? They're really about to die. But it's God's sovereign will that he preaches the gospel on that other side. But now, for some reason, we don't know. I can't tell you all of the spiritual dynamics behind it. But somehow, nature conspired against them. But nature wasn't designed to conspire. <laughs> it was desire to serve. In the jurisdiction that man has authority. When you understand some of the things I'm saying to you, there are some prayers you pray with a different level of audaciousness 
Does that make sense? There are some things you stop disturbing God for because you're like, God, you gave me this. I will handle it in your name. <laughs> right? So Jesus now wakes up. He doesn't say, Father, 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 like 10 times. Guess what? He doesn't even call God to the matter. <laughs> he doesn't call God to the matter. Because if this was, if this was, you could have said, Father, can you stop it now? They understand why, why we're here. He didn't call God to the matter. He spoke to it. Why? Jurisdiction on the earth. This is the second Adam. He's bringing redefinition about how Adams were designed to live in the first place. If he, if he's just doing this because he's God, if he's just doing this, someone's going to need to buy Oliver a new phone. Because <laughs> right? If he's just doing this because he's God, I'm impressed, but I don't have to follow. Let me say that again. Right? If Jesus... Stop the winds and the waves. I'm like, fair play, Jesus. You're powerful. There's no discipleship there. <laughs> There's no this. I, I, I just, okay, you're great. But he begins to tell them, what I can do, you can do. Even says, greater works than this shall you do. Peter saw him walking on water. I didn't say, oh, these are for the pros. He said, no, come, 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 come. Come and do it because this is what Adam was made to do, to bring the element of the earth under conformity. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? So here is now this thing, the custody, the will of God, my will, the disruption of the, and Jesus stand up, stands up and he rebukes the wind. Not just because he's Jesus, of course it's because he's Jesus, but because he understands the territorial grace that's at work here. That Satan doesn't just get to do what Satan wants because he's the devil. Does that make sense? And because Jesus understood that, he exercised that clearly, no problem. One time he went to the fig tree, spoke to the fig tree. Why? He understood in this domain, in this jurisdiction... I represent God. But what we do in this domain is blame everything back to God. God, you did this. So what is, what is in the custody of my will? I told you what the custody of my will is free will. It's choice. There is choice in Christianity. Yeah, you can choose. You can, even, you can either choose to come here every Sunday so we keep laying hands on you to be delivered. Or you can choose to live above that. You don't know there's choice. <laughs> freedom is a choice. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Therefore, stand in that liberty. You stand, he says. So we can, we can even, we can DDT you. I don't, I don't watch WWF anymore, WWE. You know, we can slam donkey. We don't do that, amen. Okay, we can do all those things. Lay hands on you. Get oil from Jerusalem. You can choose to live at that level. It's choice. It's choice. Paul says, you are yet babes. It's a choice. It's a choice. So in the, in the, in the, and this is what makes a relationship with God sweet. Imagine what Jesus said. He gives us a blank check. Whatsoever ye will, that's a blank check. Whatsoever I will. Now that's religiously confusing because if I look at some of my will sometimes I'm like, mm, no, no, no. But what he's saying is I can come to a place 
when I understand. So what is it then? With my will, I can resist God. With my will, I can invite God and allow God to do what he wants to do. Now, this is not that God is now subject to my will. Does that make sense? What it means is this, is that if God wants to do something in me and through me, and I say no, God will respect it, but he will find another person. He won't say because a man disappointed me, I won't look for a man anymore. No, he will say no. My precept is that the children of men have given dominion on death. So I need to find another man. With my will, I can resist God. With my will, I can invite him. So Jesus says, I, I said this to you again so you can understand it in context. This is not for um, lack of content. I'm not repeating. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open up. Wow. That means I can let him, let him in. I can keep him out. So am I saying in areas where I should have let God in, am I blaming God for things I've not given him permission to do over my life? Over my family? What God is looking for is this whole thing about ecclesia and all of these things we're talking about. What God is looking for is God is looking for gates. God is looking for doors. Because I told you, he showed us this in the day, in the day of Jacob. That the heavens were open. There was a ladder to heaven. People didn't just appear. Like, do you understand what I'm saying? There was a portal. God is looking for, I'm not trying to sound weird. God is looking for portals on the earth. People that would yield themselves to him and understand that, wow, my will is so powerful. I can reject salvation or accept it. My will is so powerful. I can receive healing or reject it. My will is so powerful. I can receive wholeness or reject it. My will is so powerful. I can allow the devil do anything he wants or reject it. God did not create a mumu. Now we don't know what mumu is. What's the, what's the English translation for mumu? Huh? What? A what? A, a dumb person. Put it that way. Right. God did not create. Does that make sense? God did not create. This is, listen, if you don't know anything about Bible, which you do because you're believers and you're in the church, this is the whole Genesis thing. The will of God, the will of man, the disruption of the adversary. God wills something. He creates man. He has a design. He gives that man free choice, a free will to do as, as he pleases, but to choose him. The man chooses to go elsewhere and the man then allows the devil in and gives the enemy rights on the earth. This will simplify a lot of the things that you deal with. Now, so let me get ready to close so we can pray. So here we go now. So we now understand that movement, transition, between the spiritual realm and the natural requires doors, gates, keys. Do we get that? Come on, people talk to me. Do we get that? Okay. Now, this is where I'm going. I said all of this to say, now this is my message. If you think I preached now, this is my message. <laughs> this is the book of Proverbs. Let me just open this up. This is the book of Proverbs. This is what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 4 from verses 20 to 23. 
Proverbs chapter 4, 20 to 23. It says, my son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those that find them and healing to all their flesh. Then he now says, God, your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. God, your heart. Now watch this. Expression from the spiritual to the natural requires gates and doors. And the Bible says, God, my heart. In other words, my heart is some type of a gate. He says, guard your heart with all diligence. So you see, everything I described to you is essentially what the human heart facilitates. So the word says now, he says, God, for where your heart is, your treasure will be also. He says, guard your heart with all diligence. So your heart actually is like a gate that facilitates transactions between the spiritual and the natural. So everything I said is wonderful when it's like, you know, apostolic decree and taking nations and all of that. But the Bible says, it says, it says, out of your heart flows all issues. Guys, this is, this is huge. This is major. This is big. This is, God my heart with all diligence, out of it are all the issues of life. That means every transaction between heaven and earth is going through my heart. Wow, every transaction. So the word now says, he says, God, your heart would all do this. So the, the, the analogy was, is the example I was using, you know, when we had the three people standing here. How does Satan disrupt? How does God impart? The goal of God, God's agenda, God's target for humanity, whenever God sends anything, God sends it through the human heart. That is how God releases believe it believe it or not that's how God releases it even faith the Bible says with the heart man believe it this is what the heart is like the heart is like um you know when you travel you visit other countries some of you are very vexed I'm using an example right now because of course how many times you've canceled your holidays but God will, God will recompense amen your amen was low <laughs> all right you know when you when you travel you go to France do you say that you've arrived when you get to your hotel, or do you say you've arrived when, you, when you've gotten to the tarmac at the airport? Right? When do you arrive? You arrive when you, when you get to the airport. Everything that God gives you, your heart is that landing place for everything that God gives you. So, God, so Jesus is even teaching us. Jesus is saying, listen, he says, whatever things you, you, you pray for, believe you have received. And you shall have. Believe you have received and you shall have. Mark, Mark 11. At the same time, Jesus, the word shows us, it says, with the heart, man believes. In other words, the place of believing and receiving is the heart. So if the heart is not secure, so the word tells you, it says, now you understand about gates, you understand about the will of man, the will of God. The, but it says, hey, the place that all of this, the, one of the biggest gates, one of the, is, is your heart. It's your heart. And so, when God is doing something, he targets your heart. When Satan wants to derail it, he targets your heart. So now, how does the enemy do that? He introduces offense. He introduces bitterness. He introduces jealousy. 
right? And one, uh, I feel like doing another example, but I don't know if I have time. But one, uh, sometimes we don't see what's going on behind the scenes. We don't, please come quickly. Pastor Taylor, follow as well. Okay, let me show you an example. One day, Jesus was, yeah, please stand here, yeah. One day, Jesus was preaching. Who's going to be Jesus? One, two, three, pick. No one. Okay, she's going to be Jesus. Okay. One day, Jesus is preaching. I need a third person. Who's going to come? Can you come? Yeah. One day, Jesus is preaching. Okay. Who wants to, who, who, no, who no wants to be the devil, but, you know. <laughs> okay, so can we, come for, for lack of a better expression. So one day, Jesus is, so this is Jesus. This is Peter. And let's assume that this is the devil. So, okay. So Jesus now, please come closer a bit. Jesus now is saying, I'm going to go die. I'm going to the cross. Now, Peter is saying, you won't go. Say you won't go. You won't go. Okay, so this is what Peter is saying. Jesus, excuse me, Jesus loves Peter dearly. But now Jesus turns back. He looks. He doesn't see Peter. He sees Satan. And he, if, G, if I said what Jesus said in the church next, Jesus goes, get thee behind me, Satan. You know, that's when people will be like, ah, he called me the devil. But Jesus, 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 didn't, Jesus didn't see Peter. He saw the devil. And if Jesus didn't see the devil, he would have been offended with Peter for trying to derail his destiny. And sabotage his assignment. So sometimes the people you fight, you fight them because you don't see who's behind the scenes. And you don't realize that the whole purpose of it was to get offense to your heart. Because if Satan wants to get offense to you, he has to use someone you like. Does that make sense? He has to use someone that would really get to you. You know, there are some people that will really get to you. Holy Ghost. Mandebo. You know, there's some things that is not tongues. You, you want to speak in other tongues. You know, there's tongues and there's other tongues. You want to speak in other tongues, right? So Jesus looks back now and he doesn't see Peter. He sees the devil. And what it is is that, and do you know the most amazing thing? This guy just brought revelation that was outstanding. He just told Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So if there was a time that Jesus had to be vulnerable to Peter's counsel, it was now. But Jesus had enough discernment to understand that in one minute, it could be glory. The other minute, it could be failure. You need to depend on the Holy Ghost consistently. So he looks back now and he goes, this is not Peter. This is Satan. And we, so when offense comes, we don't see who is behind the scene. The person behind the scene, someone put it this way. When, um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not creative like some of you guys. But, you know, is that Tommy C? Yeah, so Tommy C is here. I know you. Hi, <laughs> Tommy C. Okay, so here's a, here's a you know, I, I don't want to expose you, but he gets what I'm saying. Right, okay. <laughs> right. Now, so when you see a movie, right, it's not just those who are acting that are the main people. There are those behind the scenes producing, doing the work. The person behind the scene often doesn't show his face, but he's working it. But he's working it. So... When, when Satan now wants to get into the gates of people's heart, he now introduces offense. He introduces assumptions. Satan is the seal of Assumption Incorporated. Assumptions. Things that you could have clarified. But you don't clarify. 
And it suggests to you that, did you see the way she was looking at you today? It was because the, she doesn't rate you. And, and you have a bad week on assumption. A bad week, a whole week on assumption. That, by the way, affects your prayer life. That affects you, and you're like, I bind, I lose. No, you're tying. You are just cementing. You're not binding and loosing. <laughs> right? So here is the point. Here's where I'm going, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and end here. So the simplicity of the matter is this now, is if the enemy wants to get to the gates of people's heart, he would sow offense. He would sow, and the hardest ones to deal with are the ones where you're not at fault. Does that make sense? So there are things that would upset you. It's not your fault. You didn't do anything. Right? I, I was saying last week at church that I've got a bit of a sense, strong sense of justice. So if I didn't do something and you're coming for me. You know, in Nigeria, we don't insult. We ask questions. Are you okay? <laughs> Is everything okay? I'm not saying you're not okay, but just for the purpose of research, I just want to investigate. <laughs> I just want to investigate that you're okay. Are you well? I'm not saying you're sick, but I'm just checking. So, especially in those places where you haven't done anything wrong and someone has attacked you. And do you understand what I'm saying to you? And in those places, those are the places where you're vulnerable the most because you feel like you have a right to be angry. And the word does tell you, it says be angry, but sin not. It tells you that, hey, be angry. Jesus was angry. It doesn't say have rage. That's different. So we are like, I'm angry. I'm like, no, you have now moved to Satan's abode. The Bible says anger dwells in the bosom of fools. That's you and Satan. Okay, now. Let me calm down on that. <laughs> All right. So the word says, be angry and sin not. But because I feel like I have a right, it propels me to want to enforce justice. And in my wanting to enforce justice, I don't, I don't know when I cross the line from victim to perpetrator. Because I am not God to perfectly weigh the motives of the heart. So even if I want to met out justice to someone, how do I know the intricacies enough without the Holy Ghost to say this is the appropriate measure? Let me, re let me retaliate. How do I know without the Holy Ghost? So God says now, he says, vengeance is mine. It is mine to avenge. Says the Lord, lest in trying to avenge, you now put yourself in a legal situation and you become the perpetrator. Because you so those cases are hard. To deal with. So the word says, when he, thank you very much. Let's put our hands together for them. All right. I see my time. So the word says this then. It says, when it comes to your heart. It says, when it comes to your heart. It says, guard your heart with what? All diligence. Someone say diligence. Some of you are guarding your money. You have, <laughs> does that make sense? Some of you, you have money in places that even, even word of knowledge cannot... <laughs> Word of knowledge can, some of you, some of the things you secured, your gold and things like that, even the angels can't find it. Because it's so precious. You guard it so much. But then the most important thing, the most important treasure of heaven, the heart of the human spirit, we don't guard. And we, we, we allow our heart go through anything. You give your heart to some random guy, no sanctification, no, my God, no salvation. Like he broke my heart. I'm like, yes, you give it to him. He didn't break it. You allowed him. He was, he, I'm not saying he didn't try, but I'm saying you allowed him because you could have kicked him out. You know that. I just preached on his whole. 
Because God showed you, literally, God showed you many times. You're like, get there behind me. So you knew inside you. You knew. <laughs> right. So God says, God, your heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. So some of the things that are hindering us. First Corinthians, is for a second, I close on this. And we're going to pray. Paul went to the Corinthian church. He looked at, if you read the entirety of the Corinthian message, he looked at them. And they were dying. Please stay with me. I'm almost done. They were dying. They were sick in the Corinthian church. So he started talking to them. He, started to, he talked to them about divisions. He talked to them about not discerning the Lord's body. In division, they were partaking of the body of Christ. In division. In division. And they were going for communion. Because the body is all about unity. But in disunity, they were partaking of the body. And what was meant to work for them started working against them. And they would have been praying, dying, going for medical appointments, all of those things. Paul had to come by revelation and say, for this cause, many of you are sick and dead. Wow. That's so deep. Wow. Division, harboring offense. Because of that, literally, Literally gave the enemy a foothold, a right. My spiritual father, blessed memory, would say something. He would say, I forgive them by faith. I release them by faith. I'm like, what's that? Yes, yeah, like if I, it, the simple thing is that if I don't, if I don't release my faith, <laughs> if I allow my feelings, <laughs> it's not, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Basically. Right? So you learn to forgive quickly. You learn to release quickly. I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not selfish, but I say this. Honestly, I love people a lot. I care about people. But sometimes this is how I forgive. I go, well, if because, me and you have, if because you have an issue with me or I have an issue with you, I will go to hell. I won't follow you. Seriously, I, I'm, I'm not coming with you. you if, I don't want you to go, but definitely, I won't let you have an issue with me to the point that it would impede my relationship with Jesus. Our whole gospel is based on forgiveness. Our whole salvation is based on forgiveness. The entirety of the story, the entirety of the story is based on forgiveness. The entirety. You're not going to heaven just because you are good. You're going because somebody paid a price enough to cover for your offenses whilst you're being transformed. So when we talk about gates and doors, you know, we love the deep things, the oh, doors into regions and things like that. The biggest gate and the biggest door, the biggest gate and the biggest door that you need to secure is the gate and the door of your heart. And without that security, there are no transactions and there is no flow between heaven and earth. That is the custody of your will. If I can master my will and give it to God. Jesus did this at the highest point. You need to understand what's happening at Gethsemane because at Gethsemane is beginning to feel the pressure of the sin. He's beginning to feel the weight of the sin, the weight of the assignment. The word doesn't tell us that he just went through Gethsemane. No, he had to realize that he had a choice and he had to wire that choice around God. Shall we stand to our feet? We're going to pray. I feel like in the house today, I'm going to pray for a few minutes. I feel like in the house today, God 
is doing heart surgery, spiritually speaking. And I feel like some of us need to, we need to let God come through our hearts. We need to let the Word of God come through. We need to let the double-edged sword of the Word penetrate. We need to, we need to let the surgical power of the Word in again. And, and God has to repair and do some things on hearts. And do some things on hearts. And then after God has done that, then you secure them. You secure them by walking in maturity. No longer walking in offense. No longer, but God has to heal. And some of you genuinely, you are hurt by what people have done to you. What people have said to you. We're going to pray this, this afternoon. I want you to lift your hands to heaven. I want you to lift your hands. And this is your conversation with God. Laying on of hands is not the only thing that will fix this. No. Jesus stands at the door and he's knocking. Would you let him in? 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 Would you allow him to come in? Yeah, we can lay hands, but if we lay hands and the conditions of the heart are not right, basically, the impartation, the drive, the transaction of heaven will find no resting place. That's why sometimes it so happens that in the moment we feel delivered, in the moment we feel empowered, but we go again because the place that's meant to secure it and contain it has been left exposed to other things. And I feel God just moving in the house today. Dealing with hearts, dealing with burdens, dealing with pain, dealing with hurts, dealing with brokenness, dealing with things, dealing with things that really, really hurt you deep down on the inside. Please turn on the worship and please help me if you can. We are just going to take a few minutes to pray. We're going to take a few minutes to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, come on, I want you to lift up your voices and talk to him. I know it's sacred, I know it's, it's personal, but... I want you to give yourself to him. I want you to give yourself to him. As I said to you, I told you that the, the, the gates are a place of power, a place of political influence, economic influence. See, the gates of your heart literally allow for God to flow through you and to find expression on the earth. And if you become a better person, you become a better, um, you become a, a more effective person. If you become a better person, you become a better leader, a better dad, a better mom. All of these other things that you may be dealing with in other areas. If God can find hearts that are willing and God, God can find hearts that are ready, there will be expression. More love. more of you in my life more love more love more power more this sound has been released I want you to give your heart to the Lord I want you to dedicate your heart to the Lord
I will worship you. And I will worship you with all of my heart. And I will worship you sincerely, sincerely. With all of my mind. I will worship you. I will worship you. I want you to sing it with meaning and conviction. I will worship you. And I will worship you with all of my heart. I will worship you with all of my mind. I will worship you with all of my strength. With all of my strength. Your yieldedness to his lordship will cause you to find expression in him. for you and then I'm going to leave the worship team to release that sound and I want you to soak into this Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ I pray over your people by the authority of your word in the name of the Lord Jesus that there would be manifestations of your spirit as they go into this week in the name of Jesus Holy Spirit I ask that you begin to reshape and you begin to remote hearts in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ I pray Father that people will begin to get their authority back they will get their confidence back they would understand Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that they have jurisdiction over what's happening to them over what's happening around them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ I pray for an inclusion of faith in the name of the Lord Jesus I pray that your faith be awakened I pray that your faith be quickened I pray that your faith be strengthened in the name of Jesus Christ may your authority return to you in the in the place of prayer in the name of Jesus may your audaciousness return to you in the place of prayer in the name of Jesus Christ where you have allowed just anything to happen in the name of Jesus Christ you will pick up your battle axe again and in Jesus name you will drive out everything that's contrary to God in the name of the Lord Jesus so father in Jesus name I speak blessings over your people 
I speak restoration over your people. I speak increase over your people. You are the resurrected King. I speak resuscitation and resurrection in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let there be the demonstration of resurrection power as they move through this week in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you. We bless your name. Come on. Shall we thank him? Shall we thank him? Shall we thank him? Shall we thank him? Lift up your head, ye gates, and be lifted up. Let the King of glory come in. He's going to come in through your heart. He's going to come in through your heart. He's going to come in through your spirit. He's going to find expression through your spirit. I'm going to let the worship team lead us in worship, and you're going to give yourself to God. You're going to give yourself to God. We're going to do this, and we're going to move to another level. Another level in our God experience. Another level in our God encounters. We're going to move to a next level in God. Not just because we are shouting and screaming, but we've come to understand the keys, the principles by which we can sustain a move. Father, we thank you. Come and lift your hands to heaven. Thank you, Holy Spirit.